Friends, how are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Wells Sister Church. If you enjoy what you hear today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to this podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app that you're listening to right now, on your phone, or on your computer. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you might consider subscribing there and clicking the notify bell. I've tried to make the link for that share link obvious. Please let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. You should share it because it's studying the Word of God. And faith in Jesus and His perfect life, death, and resurrection comes by hearing that Word. And salvation comes to us by faith in Jesus alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. It's not just something to write on a billboard. It has profound and eternal implications for us. Why would you not tell everyone? Today's sermon is titled, Believe and Not Doubt, and is based on James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We now join Pastor Zamzo for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and the brother of James and our brother too. Amen. You have some acquired bad habits. Maybe you got your own. I can think of a list off the top of my own head. Acquired bad habits. Maybe as we get older, it becomes a little easier for gravity to take over. And you don't have the same kind of energy, or at least maybe you think you don't have the same kind of energy that you did when you were younger. And it just becomes a little easier and easier and easier to plunk down in front of the old tube. 
Zone out. Acquired bad habits. It's kind of weird that some bad habits that we develop, it's like you almost have to work at them. You have to stay diligent with them in order to make them a bad habit and something that you continue to do. Maybe, um, I don't know, the big ones jump into my mind, uh, um, drinking, smoking, um, drug or alcohol use, uh, those sorts of things. Um, it, it, there's, there's a whole list of, of bad habits that we acquire as we get older. But there's one bad habit that every Christian's got. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There's one bad habit that every, every single Christian has. Something that we do almost naturally. And that's doubting. Every Christian doubts. The art of doubting is easy because it's not acquired. It's not something that we have to learn to do or that we have to work at or it's not a, a taught or learned behavior. It does come from our parents, but it comes naturally as a result of sin. And when I talk about doubt, just to clarify, I'm not talking about the fact like at this point in the season, I doubt that the, the, the Green Bay Packers are going to win the NFC North. I'm not talking about the generalized nebulous doubt like I, I doubt that my hopes and dreams are going to come true. The doubt that I'm talking about is the doubt that is the soul-crushing, soul-damning doubt of God's Word. This is something that plagues Christians young and old. Doubt is something that nags at a believer, whether you've been a believer for 15 minutes or for your whole life. Whether you are mature in faith or whether you are immature in faith. Doubt is ever with us. If you don't doubt, take your fingers and check your pulse because you might be dead. In the Gospel for today, we hear of St. James, the brother of the Lord. And whether that means that he was a close relative um, or like he was literally Jesus' half-brother, son of Mary, uh, we're not really sure some matter of debate, but in the end it doesn't really matter. Nonetheless, James is close to Jesus in some way, related closely in some way. He lives in Nazareth, that's his hometown. He grew up near Mary and Joseph. And so what would have James seen? What would have James heard? He would have heard the, the, the incredible story of Christmas, the nativity story about how Jesus came to this earth. Being in such close proximity to Jesus, he would have heard of Jesus' miracles, how he cured the, 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 the lame and the blind and the sick and the lepers, how he drove out demons and how he raised the dead. All of those things would have been prevalent. They would have been right in James' lap. But what does the Lord say in the Gospel for today? And actually, in, in Matthew's Gospel, this happens twice. Going back to chapter 12 and here in chapter 13, Jesus says something very similar. He says, The prophet is not without honor in his hometown or in his own home. As those people were taking offense at him. And so it's true. St. James, 
uh, while he uh, is a, a, a writer of the book of the Bible, while he's a, a, a relative of the Lord Jesus himself, while he's in close proximity to him, he's got all those miracles, all those things in front of him, James was not a disciple of Jesus. Least ways not to start off. He was not numbered among the twelve disciples. That's a different James. It was only much, much later, after Jesus' death and his resurrection, did James, the brother of the Lord, see who his brother was. It was only much, much later that the Holy Spirit worked that faith in his heart and brought him to faith. James knew what doubt was. He had looked it square in the face. Imagine how maybe ashamed he had felt later on in life when he, when he, when he thought back and he realized, man, the, the Lord was in my living room, so to speak, and I doubted him. I doubted who he said he was. I doubted what he said he came to do. And so these verses from the second lesson today are the ones that I want to really drive home and focus on today. James is, uh, begins talking about uh, rejoicing during trial and hardship and suffering and through persecution. And he starts talking about prayer. And he says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. As I said, James knew what that was like. He knew what it was like to waver back and forth. And the point taken here, uh, to, be, to be taken from these inspired words, is, is really kind of twofold. First of all, every believer doubts. But then the second thing is, James is forceful in his warning here and in his encouragement so that believers do not become complacent, that we don't view the sin of doubt as some little thing that we can just kind of brush under the rug, but rather that we see how dangerous the sin of doubt really is. What is doubt? But literally the opposite of faith. Going back to the most ancient times, to our forefather in the faith, Abraham. Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. St. Paul says in Romans, the righteous shall live by faith. Doubt, on the other hand, is without question the thing that will damn the unbelieving world. And so God takes no delight, God takes no pleasure in the spiritual schizophrenic. The one that goes back and forth and wavers all the time between trusting and doubting it's a serious sin before the eyes of God. And I think for us, what makes this so difficult is pinning down exactly the ways in which we doubt because doubt comes at us from so many different angles, doesn't it? One might doubt the six-day creation. One might doubt the inerrancy of God's Word. To use the illustration or the example that James provides, when one faces trials or persecution or difficulty or hardship in life, one might doubt whether or not God is in fact a gracious, loving, heavenly Father who works all things for our good. 
Or another, another angle, we may get wrapped up in the things of this world. We may see politics, for example, or our pocketbook, and we may put our trust in those things and doubt that it's God who gives that stuff to us. If we get wrapped up in the, in the world of politics, for example, and we get wrapped up in putting our trust there, we see, oh, that's where my comfort comes from. That's where my peace of mind comes from. And we doubt whether or not God is actually in control of all things for the good of His people and for the good of His church. Or another angle. We may doubt that our sins are severe. God tells us how, the, how horrible sin is. We may look at that and be like, ah, oh, really? Is it really that bad? We have our habitual sins that we go to, go back to day after day, time and time and time again, so much so that our sinful hearts wonder if they're really all that bad. Or on the flip side of that coin, we see somebody in our life or in our workplace or even in our church that does something that's, uh, that, that we're sinned against or maybe they do some gross open sin and we think to ourselves, how can they be forgiven for that? How can they be forgiven for that? Who would possibly forgive them for that? And we forget and we doubt God's promise of grace. When we doubt, when we doubt, no matter what it is, no matter what angle it takes, we are doubting God's Word, we are doubting God's promises, and effectively, we are calling God a liar. When we doubt, we call God a liar. When we doubt whether or not he's going, to, uh, he's going to watch over us and care for us and be with us every single day, when we doubt whether or not uh, our, our sin is forgiven, or we doubt of the severity of our own sin, we doubt whether or not sin is, all sin is equal, we doubt the fact that there was one price paid for all of it. And we are essentially charging God with lying. And this is why James is so forceful in his rebuke, in his warning, and in his encouragement here. Martin Luther once uh, gave the example. Um, it's pretty famous that you know they, when they found him and he was on his deathbed, they pulled that little wrinkled piece of paper out of his pocket and it says, we're all just beggars. Well, not only did they find that note in his, in his pocket, but Luther was also quoted as saying that while he was alive. But there's another saying that's connected with it that's not quite as well known, but it's worth saying here. Yes, it's true. We are all just beggars. That's what our faith is. We're a beggar that's looking up for, for mercy, holding our hand out, asking God to bless us and be with us. But Luther's quote was, a shaking hand is hard to fill. A shaking hand is hard to fill. That's what faith is, an open hand, looking for mercy. How can it possibly be filled if it's constantly going like this, all over the place, going back and forth like the waves in the sea? How can a blessing be put into that hand? It would be like a foolish beggar who's sitting there begging for money with his cup and somebody's trying to fill it and they're just moving it around all the time. So how do we heed James' words? How do we take his warning and his encouragement to heart? How does a Christian believe and not doubt? 
How do we fight that temptation to doubt? Since doubt does come at us from so many angles. Whether it's the things in this world or it's some emotion of fear or sadness. Our entire world seems as though it is encased in the darkness of doubt. And as I said before, every believer doubts. So how do we fight doubt if we know that we obviously don't have to do anything to have it? It comes naturally to us. How do we, doubt, how do we fight doubt if we know that our faith is more often than not that weak, shaking hand? Well, for one thing, remember that you have faith. Remember that even though the world and our life and our circumstances and the places that we live and the trials that we face and the guilt that we have and the sin that surrounds us in this world is like a dark blackness, a shadow of doubt over everything. Remember your faith is like a little tiny drop or like a little tiny spark. And you have it. And I have it. You've got it. And you didn't get anything to... You didn't work for that. You didn't earn that faith. It was given to you. Spiritual trust from the Holy Spirit Himself. He gave it to you through the Word. Through the Word about Christ. He created that faith in you. And you've got it. Remember what that little tiny spark of faith clings to. But the unerring promises that God has given us in His Word, the untarnished record of God keeping His promises time and time and time and time and time again to His people down through the ages, right down to me, right down to you. If we could but firmly hold on to that spark and blow on it and fan it into flame and believe and not doubt, then our hearts would be filled with such strength as to be uh, so uh, a strength far so uh, so powerful that we wouldn't doubt at all. We wouldn't be moved or frightened by the world or the devil or even the gates of hell. If we would but remember what that little spark of faith clings to. Are we ever going to master that? Are we ever going to not doubt? Are we going to master that perfect habit of clinging to the faith rather than doubting? Not on this side of glory, we won't. But it underscores the importance of regularly hearing God's promises to you. Of coming to church. Doing devotions at home. Hearing God's Word regularly in Bible study or the like. So that we are reminded that we are reminded that we are in God's grace. That faith is a gift of His grace. That we are forgiven by God's grace. That we might be certain that we are accepted by God. And that we've got the Holy Spirit not of our own worthiness, but by His grace for the sake of Christ who subjected Himself to this existence, who subjected Himself to this life and to the ridicule and the mockers and who subjected Himself to that shameful, awful death on the cross for the very sake of the ones who doubted Him. 
even his brother James. And it's in him and it's through him that we believe. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, and this seems to come up a lot. But somebody said to me, Pastor, I just wish that I, I could. I, I always pray for that childlike faith. That simple, trusting, childlike faith that just believes and doesn't doubt. And I think that's the prayer of every Christian, but isn't that a hard lesson to learn in and of itself? Isn't that a hard lesson from the Word to learn? Because doubting is so prevalent. Doubting is so easy. It's not an acquired habit. We've got to fight to get back to that childlike faith that trusts. Consider this. When it comes down to all of this, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes down to all of this and when it comes down to believing and not doubting, Understand this. The blessings of God are there. They are there. As James said in the end of his epistle, the promised crown of life is there for you and for me. It's not going anywhere. That's the gift that God has promised you. That's the gift that God has promised His people. God's promises don't move, don't change. And maybe you've heard it once before, um, but it's true nonetheless. If you ever feel far from God's grace, if you ever feel far from faith, guess who moved? It wasn't the Lord. His promises are sure. And how many, how many blessings do we rob ourselves of? Because we doubt. You know, I think of, uh, of Jesus at the, end of that gospel, uh, at the end of the Gospel lesson for today. He doesn't do any miracles in that area. Why? He doesn't do any miracles in His hometown. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Because they didn't believe in Him. Or when Jesus does heal a sick person or a leper, oftentimes He will look at them at the end of it and say, your faith has made you well. So is the emphasis there on the person, on their stalwart heart and their ability to grasp on to Jesus? No, not really. What's the emphasis there? The emphasis there is not on them, it's on Christ Himself. It's the faith of a beggar. The faith of somebody that's looking for mercy from somebody. That's a Christian's faith. That's a Christian's belief. That God can help me. That God can save me. That God will have mercy on me. That's a Christian's faith. That's how a Christian believes. Just like the sick person or the leper. It's the broken heart. It's the contrite heart. That's looking for mercy from God. The one that knows it's sinful and that it's fallen far short of God's grace. That holds up a hand and says, Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot do this without You. 
That's believing. That's the heart and core of our Christian faith. Faith that trusts that God can, has, and will act for the benefit of His people, for the glory of His church, both now and forever. So brothers and sisters, take to heart James' words. Believe. Don't doubt. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.